Yeah, Power Ballad Friday would have to include this track. Never played it before on Power Ballad Friday. Mentioned by some music critics as the greatest song written in music history. I can't find the source to that, but uh, that's what they say. Africa is by Toto, a session band that came out of the LA session music scene. Did a lot of backing work for the likes of Steely Dan and Michael Jackson. Uh, that's Toto You Hear on several tracks on Thriller. And when I asked Steve Lukather from Toto on Sunday RNZ what Africa was all about, he said... Who knows, man? When it was tabled by a band member, they all replied, What is this? Well, it is Africa. Uh, And Raj, you can just close your eyes on the song, can't you? And and, and you are in the plains of Africa. You know, the wild dogs cry out tonight. But what are they crying out for? That sort of thing, huh? And you are transported to... to, When when do you you have on there, when it was released... Um, because I'm trying to think back to where I was when it played on the radio all the time. Well, it was 1984. Um, oh, right. Oh, okay. Right. So, I would have grown up hearing it. Yes. Alexia, so. does, it take you, does it take you somewhere, the song? Yeah, to the 80s, which I was quite happy to leave behind. <laughs> this is, I hate power ballads. Why do you do this to us? And I'm sure you've heard it much longer than you usually do. Turn it up, Brad. Turn it up, for, it. The na- Turn it up for the naysayers. <laughs> A.K.A. Alexia Russell. There you go. You might, you might have done your homework uh, giving us the instruction manual to your washing machine, but boy, you cannot recognise a good tune. Uh, that's for sure. Anyway, that is uh, for the lovers of uh, the band that is Toto. Uh, Africa. Uh, the Wild Dogs cry out tonight. Uh, it is uh, 24 to 5, the panel, RNZ National. There will be relief among many borrowers today to hear that the government has made changes to its controversial responsible lending rules. Now, we've talked about this legislation before on the show, the Credit Contracts and Consumer Finance Act, or CCCFA, and its unintended effects. Turned down for that mortgage due to too many medium chicken curry takeaways, that Netflix or Neon subscription queried, but will the easing of the rules be enough? CEO of Financial Advice NZ, Katrina Shanks, is with me now. Katrina, welcome. Thank you. You had previously called for the Minister to review the unintended consequences of the new lending rules. Why? Um, Well, you would have heard, um, as we had from our mortgage advisors, that people were getting frustrated. That It appeared that there was less credit available those that had pre-approvals couldn't get them re-approved. Those which would have got uh, mortgages approved at a certain level had those levels reduced. And that had, we started to hear those stories from the beginning of December when the new legislation came into place and the new changes to the Responsible Lending Act came into place. So within about a week and a half, we went out to our members. We've got 1,500 members as part of our organisation and we asked them what they were seeing. Within two days, we had 300 examples mm. of how they had seen credit being tightened. And that was with only two weeks of being in place. So we knew we, we knew when we heard the stories that were out there that it was much harder to get credit all of a sudden. And then in January, Centrix came out with their report stating the fact that the ability to get a loan approved had reduced um, significantly from 37% to 30%. Um, within that period of time as well, which then gave us the evidence that backed up the stories that we were being told that it was much harder to get credit. 
Yeah, and the stories are quite, I mean, some of them are actually really quite sad, actually, you know, uh, turned down because, you know, uh, in a certain given period, yeah, had too much takeaways or your yeah, subscriptions, what have you. But let's remind ourselves why these laws were in place. Uh, the reforms meant that, for example, the mobile or payday lenders, like truck stops, have virtually disappeared from the landscape. And that, Katrina Shanks, is really good news. That's a fantastic thing. It did actually happen before. Because we were talking about that for years. And and that's fantastic. And the whole sector is supportive of ensuring that vulnerable consumers are protected. No one is against that at all. We, We all still want that. And those changes happened before these changes to the Triple CFA and Responsible Lending Act. The Responsible Lending Code. So that showed you all the previous changes the governments had put in place had were working and were really successful. What the Responsible Lending Code did, it caught up all those consumers which weren't vulnerable and put um, prescriptiveness over them which wasn't necessary. So it just went that one that the net went too far. The prescriptiveness of the of the lenders was much greater, which created um, the having to go much further into people's financial histories and understanding in a lot of detail um, where and how they were spending their money, whereas before there didn't seem to be an issue. So the prescriptiveness created lenders to have to have a lot more detail over what they were looking at. Okay. Alexia? Yeah, this I think this is a really good common sense clarification and adjustment by the government. You know, what was there was unsustainable in terms of the way the banks were carrying out those orders to, um, you know, peer into people's personal lives at a very deep level. Um, you know, they were just a bit silly. And now we hopefully we've gone back to, um, you know, if you if you understand as a banker that this person's going to be good for the loan, then you give them the loan. Yeah, and there's some things which have changed in that as well. And when you look at, and we're hoping and. That we're all going off a press release that was released this morning, so we haven't got the detail in front of us. And they use all the words in it around clarification, examples, and guidance. So we're hoping that translates to the regulations themselves, because obviously everybody has to comply with the regulations the way they're written. So that's an important part of this discussion as well. And and I've got to say congratulations to the min- to the minister. For, for standing back listening and, and actioning something because this is a relatively new bit of change and it's it's a big thing for for a government to go and make this change so quickly after a bit of legislation and regulation has been put into place. But some of those changes are really are, are looking really good. For example, providing alternative and guidance for when it's obvious that a loan is affordable such as a full income ex- expense assessment is not required. So we were seeing people that were extremely asset rich, big incomes, not a lot of um, commitment, but having to go through a whole process of talking about the Netflix and and how many takeaways they had, whether it was commitment going forward. So it's really good common okay. sense coming through this. All right, Raj. Yeah, I mean, I definitely support that it's less intrusive. I mean, when the when the first stories of some of these um, anecdotal examples started coming through, you know, the image that came to my mind was of, uh, of Mike and Ganesh from Eat Well for Less and asking you to put your whole weekly spend on the kitchen bench, but this time to judge whether you can make the leap to buying a house, you know, and the bank manager's equivalent of seriously suggesting that it's your latte or your KFC habit that's keeping you from buying a house rather than the runaway house prices and the 
crazy ratio of median incomes to prices. So yes, I definitely support that mm. this is less intrusive. Mm. And just finally, uh, Karina, because um, the um, we someone gave us some advice, uh, an advisor was saying uh, a week ago on the panel, okay, here's, here's a tip. For the next, if you want to get a loan, for the next 90 days, don't spend anything that's on your uh, account. So, for example, don't get takeaways. Don't do things like that, any extraneous. But now you, you won't have to do that. You won't have to go that far. Well, we're hoping this, leisure, this change comes through fairly quickly. So, obviously, every day people are, the, the average Kiwi is trying to obtain credit. So we're hoping that these, um, there's no timelines on this press release that we're all talking to at the moment. So we're hoping that there's um, some um, pretty quick timelines on those and so these changes can be made quickly and that they're effective enough so the lenders can stop being so prescriptive. So that's the other component mm. of it. We don't know that detail yet and that's a really important component of this. Nice to have you on the programme with Katrina Kiora. Uh, that is Katrina Shanks, the CEO of Financial Advice uh, NZ. Uh, someone sent me a little, I guess it's a little joke. I'm pretty excited. Our loan was approved. We're closing on a full tank of gas this weekend. You're on the panel, RNZ National, Alexi Russell and Raj Chakraborty with me this afternoon. That's an a- uh, that can be an anniversary present, a uh, full <laughs> tank of gas. <laughs> so... You heard it here first from Raj. All right, now, (laughs) on this. It's difficult not to feel overwhelmed in the world we're living in right now. It is certainly a very common sentiment amongst people I talk to. The strain of living in a pandemic for this long is a lot to deal with alongside the ordinary pressures of work and family life and beyond. And we thought we'd bring this up as a matter of course because uh, this is actually the number one thing that I have been uh, approached by. People emailing me when I talk on the street to someone, this is the number one thing they're talking about. Life is really, really hard. Um, Mentally, the pressures externally, uh, the news from overseas, climate change and beyond. Ukraine, with us is Wellington clinical psychologist Doug Dougal, excuse me, Dougal Sutherland. Dougal, kia ora, and lovely to have you on. Kia ora, Wallace. Thanks for having me. It's really just a litany of news right now, and I don't know if you share that sentiment uh, when you talk to people, you know, maybe at a cafe or on the phone to friends. Um, what do you make of this? Yeah, I think it, it's it's strange and unusual times, really, isn't mm. it? With, with lots of um, unpredictability and uncontrollability, and I think those are the two of the key factors that really lead us as humans to be stressed at this. If we, if we can't predict what's going to happen and we feel like we can't control it, then we tend to get really stressed and anxious because we like to be able to control things and, and have a sense of where things are going. I just can't recall a time in my life, Dougal, where I could be wrong when I think about it more, but I just can't think of a time where people have been more, let's face it, on the edge. Yeah, and I, I think it's the number of things, isn't it? it, it yeah. It's all, you know, there, there's a war in Ukraine, there's, you know, we've just heard about skyrocketing petrol prices, there's there's a pandemic. I think we're used to living with maybe one, sometimes two, but, you know, just just the, 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 just multiple of things that are going on at the moment, I think, can be quite um, overwhelming for people, um, especially on the back of two years or longer now, just over two years of, of COVID. Mm-hmm. Uh, and just that fatigue that sets in from, from being gradually worn down by coping with that. 
So I'd like to ask you a question before uh, I open up to Raj and Alexia, who will have some wonderful thoughts on this. My question to you is, Dougal, to what extent uh, is it healthy and wise for us to block out bad news uh, as much as we can, or accept that things are really negative right now and bad things are happening in the world and embrace it and do what you can to help? For example, it might be uh, gifting s- some money to children in Ukraine. Do you know, do you know what I mean? I do. I do. Look, I, and I think it's a balance, Wallace. I think you, you, you know, you don't want to become overwhelmed by yeah. all the bad news. And, and you know, I think we, we can all get stuck in doom scrolling and watching and looking and seeing sure. more and more and more. So I think there's a balance between limiting yourself. Uh, about how much you can cope, and that might vary day to day. But also I really like your strategy of saying, hey, look, what can I do in a really small, practical way that's controllable for me that I can you know, do something about this? I can't stop the war in Ukraine. I can't stop global warming. What can I do, though? Maybe it's giving to a charity that's helping Ukrainian kids. Maybe it's making sure you put your recycling out or really, you know, you're really keen on that. Just just to give you that sense that actually there is something that I can do, that this is not just out of my control uh, and and I can cope with it. Um, And lastly, I think there is also that sense of um, learning to, and you use the word acceptance, it's, it's learning to... Uh, except that sometimes bad stuff happens to us. That doesn't mean we like it. That doesn't mean we just have to give up and, and, and become helpless and hopeless in the face of that. But there is a sense of being able to accept when you are not feeling great, not feeling happy, feeling anxious maybe, and be okay with that for short periods. Um, so it's sort of getting used to that fact because it's a, it's a fact of life and it's a useful coping strategy to be able to develop. Raj Chakraborty. Yeah, I I agree with so much of that. I mean, you know, to to separate out what is beyond your control, but to also find ways to feel empowered and enabled, and then focus on what you can control. Um, so, for example, um, you know, being kind and forgiving to yourself, as much as remembering to be so to others, is hugely important. Um, reminding yourself of everything that we are all grappling with, cutting yourself some slack, but also everything unknown that a person in front of you may be grappling with. Um, And also what has really helped me during this time and during tough periods that have been more personal is a kind of personalized, is a version of mindfulness really, you know, to, to remind myself that all I actually have to attend to or grapple with is the present moment. And then hopefully inside yourself, suddenly, you know, the odds shift and you feel subtly empowered because the burdens of bigger narratives fall away. And if all of you is suddenly united and available and attentive to respond solely to whatever this moment is asking of you, that actually starts to feel quite doable. So that's one way in which I try to reboot myself and take it one step at a time and, and feel a bit more empowered. Well, kia ora, Raj. Um, stay there, uh, Dougal. Let's bring Alexia in. 
Gosh, fantastic advice, Raj. It's really wonderful. But um, yeah, I mean, find the good in life. You know, this is these are in really unusual, crazy times. But you know, stop getting in the car for unnecessary trips. Just don't do them. You know, and then you might start working out. Well, actually, I didn't need to. Um, you know, make nine trips to the supermarket this week just because I ran out of milk. I could have walked to the dairy for it. It's, it leaves, it frees up your time. It stops you spending money on petrol, and it makes you go out for a walk. Um, you know, go for a walk in the bush. Don't take your phone talk to the birds, make time for friends, you know, understand that a social get together doesn't have to be catered for. You don't have to spend the whole day cleaning the house. Um, you know, um, Don't you know, feel you have to watch the latest intellectual thing on TV. You read your junk books or you junk, watch your junk TV. If you want to stop sorting your washing, <laughs> um, but you know, take, take advantage of, um, you know, free fees courses, maybe to turn your life in a new direction. Uh, Cause there's a lot oh. of those at the moment that, there's a lot of things being offered at the moment that you could actually take advantage of. I've got to say, I'm of. loving all this. Uh, do all this, some wonderful responses from Raj and Alexia. Yeah, no, I, I, I entirely agree. And I, I really want to um, underline or emphasise Raj's point about that, that ability, that that practice of mindfulness where you, you basically get off the hamster wheel of life and you develop a practice where you can stand outside of yourself for a moment and and practice just not responding, um, getting out of automatic pilot so that you're not caught in that stimulus response, stimulus response, stimulus response pattern. You're able to stop, reflect, notice, and then consider how you want to respond and respond in a way that really fits with your values, which I think are some of the examples that have just been given by the panellists. Really lovely to have you uh, with us on Friday, Dougal. Kia ora. Thanks for your uh, advice there. Very cool. That is uh, psychologist Dr. Dougal Sullivan. And, uh, and to you both, you and Raj, Kia for your really um, beautiful sentiments there. I think that it'll help me and our listeners a lot. You know, on the panel, RNZ National. Uh, and uh, to this now. Now, by the way, we're talking poetry. Um, it, 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 well, it turned out to become quite a theme on the panel this week. Um, we weren't going in that direction, but this was on the back of some interesting research, uh, and something caught my eye, that men are twice as likely to consume local poetry than women. And after Connor English, this is the former head of Fed Farmers, declared that he just so happened to be a closet and prolific poet, uh, we received quite a number of just wonderful poems. Uh, I'm going to have to keep going with it next week because I just I want to get through uh, at least a dozen poems. Maybe I might do one a day. I don't know. But I, I have to read this out. Uh, this is from Jennifer because she put such a lot of work into it. And it's about um, it's, it's very long. It's two pages. So I'll just read it a, 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 just a little bit. It's called Radio Ode. Where would we be without RNZ? I'm telling you now, we'd be brain dead. The choices of voices and music can use to keep us informed with good and bad news. Where would we be without Catherine and Kim, or Susie, Marnie, Jesse and Jim? Without Corin and Colin, Karen, that's Hay, or Brian on nights? Would we still be okay? On the panel with Wallace, a voice to be trusted. There's much to discuss, though some get disgusted. Checkpoint with Lisa. Things really get heated. Deniers and liars are swiftly defeated. Leaders, MPs, opinions galore. 
cope with the climate, the Russians at war, or the terrible things we just can't ignore. And on Saturday morning, Kim Hill is on air. She gets people talking their souls to bear, her eloquent style guaranteed to inspire. She'll make you laugh or trigger your ire. Either way, she's peak listening pleasure. Without any doubt, she's a national treasure. Oh, where would we be without RNZ? Life without it just fills me with dread. I can flicker my app and stay in bed without turning a page. I'm so well read. A hundred years of formidable feat. A hundred more? That'll be neat. Isn't that cool, Raj? Ah, bravo, bravo. <laughs> that is, that is, what a tribute. That is one of many. Uh, Jennifer, thank you. Thank you for uh, that. And uh, There's a long version on that too. I'd love to sort of try and um, uh, email it out to you or send it out, put it on the page. But with us now is Jordan Hamlin. He's a champion spoken word poet and he's on the board of Read NZ. Jordan, kia ora. Kia ora, Wallace. Quite uh, a cool bad. poem, eh? Yeah, it's a cool poem. I should have written one for you as well. I feel, yes. I feel a little eclipsed. <laughs> when did you first get into poetry? Uh, I first got into it sort of in university, um, but back then I didn't really take it seriously, and I actually I wrote under a pseudonym because I was a bit sort of ashamed about it all, really, and then sort of started taking it seriously when I moved to Wellington about five years ago, um, and it's all sort of gone from there. Do you find that there is a receptive audience for poetry in Wellington and beyond? Yes, absolutely. Um, there's a great community here. Um, I think there is all over the country now as well. I think it's sort of spreading a lot. I think it's having a bit of a renaissance, and I think it's sort of coming, maybe becoming almost cool now, which is um, not the case when I was sort of a teenager. So no. it's been really nice to see that kind of shift. And on these findings uh, yeah. that from Read NZ, and there was a wide range of findings. Yeah. Uh, that men like local poetry more than women, uh, and then that flipped the switch, and next minute you had the chair of Agribusiness NZ <laughs> <laughs> uh, just loving his poetry. He was very shy about um, releasing it to all of New Zealand for the first time, but mm. quite extraordinary. Yeah, really extraordinary, and I must say quite surprising when I when I saw that because considering the sort of rates of men reading in general are much lower than women and are decreasing, it was quite a shock to sort of see that kind of increase and see that sort of stat there. Um, yeah, unexpected, but yeah. But yeah. Well, we so just so happens we have a writer and a great writer uh, on the <laughs> uh, on the panel. I know, Alexa, you, you do a bit of writing, but we've got a really good one with Raj. Uh, Raj? <laughs> I was wondering who you're talking about. I was like, is there someone else who's going to talk about right you, mate? I'm talking about you. Uh, oh, well, I'm with, uh, I'm slightly with uh, Jordan on this, where I was surprised by this finding as well, because as a fiction writer, I know that most genres of fiction still thrive largely because of women readers. So I was surprised. And, you know, my, um, the only thoughts that came to mind is perhaps poetry being usually shorter and more distilled and also perhaps because there are now so many ways for poetry to reach people like spoken not just uh, these wonderful spoken word events live events but also you can actually have poetry through your instagram you can have poetry through tiktok um so so maybe there are all these ways in which poetry is reaching its readers and mm. um um so and and that's just wonderful to to learn about Jordan. 
Yeah, I, I think Raj sort of hit the nail on the head there. I think it's sort of a combination of, one, the use of social media by a lot of poets and that sort of increasing accessibility to poetry. But I also think it's about sort of shifting the perception of what poetry can be. It's sort of broadening that um, and sort of yeah, bringing in a lot of different voices, a lot of younger people. We're seeing really high numbers of young people reading poetry. And whenever I go and do workshops in schools or things like that, they're always asking, how do we get more boys into reading? Who are right. the poets that we can show them? Things like that. Now we um, are gonna, we are gonna, we are gonna, we are gonna um, read out a few more poems uh, next week because we had a volume of them. Uh, what about yeah. you? No, that's us. Sorry, Alexia. Uh, we've got to um, move aside for the greatest song ever written. Uh, Jordan Kiora, Raj, <laughs> Alexia, you have both been fabulous this afternoon. Wallace Chapman broadcasting from the Bay. I've checkpoint. At least Owen next. <laughs>